girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Autoimmune disease is predominant in women. Women will experience much more autoimmune disease over their lifetime than will men. Autoimmune diseases such as commonly known Hashimoto's disease, a disease of the thyroid, autoantibodies attacking our own thyroid. Multiple sclerosis is another example of an autoimmune disease. And the list goes on. Where do autoimmune diseases come from? That concept of fighting ourselves, right? Our body fighting itself. And the, you know, psycho neuroimmunology of that, like where is the mind-body connection around this piece that there may be and likely is a component of emotional trauma and past trauma. And that can affect the pace of our lives, the frequency of our lives, the energy and relationships and intimacy in our lives. And this is such an important topic. And I wanted to bring this to you because women are my community. And I've seen so many clients in a flare of Hashimoto's disease. And we can do so much to prepare our body physiologically. And that's really critically important. And where we may not do as good of a job is preparing it psychologically. When we talk about psychology, we think, okay, well, it's all in my mind. The mind and body cannot be separated. The mind and body cannot be separated. A simple, a simple concept, but to a very deep degree. And so today I wanted to bring to you the author of a excellent book called Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle and bring you this amazing, amazing colleague of mine, Dr. Keisha Ewers, Dr. Keisha Ewers. She's board certified in functional medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. She's a doctor of sexology, trauma-informed psychotherapist and a family practice advanced registered nurse practitioner with a specialty in integrative medicine and a conscious doula and the founder and medical director of the Academy for Integrative Medicine Health Coach Certification Program. She has been in the medical field for over 30 years and conducted something called the HERT study, which we will talk about in our interview in 2013. And that stands for Healing Unresolved Trauma. She developed the HERT model for understanding how past childhood trauma impacts adult health. And she's a TEDx speaker. She is an incredible practitioner. She runs group programs and has an online summit coming up, as well as author of many books, again, including Solving the Autoimmune Puzzle. Her website is drkeisha.com. And she's just a fascinating, a fascinating person. So I look forward to introducing her to you and sharing her wisdom with you. She talks about her past history and her own trauma. And I appreciate the bravery with which she does this and shares her experiences, her knowledge, and how she's incorporated it into her own work in helping healing others. So let me introduce you to her. Here we go. Welcome, Keisha, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It is great to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I love your work and I've told my audience a bit about you and what you're doing. Tell us, like, how did you get started in this passion? And the biggest thing, like, you know, this is where we collaborate. I'm going to jump into this right away because I get so excited to talk to you. I mean, about immunology, sexual health, female empowerment, how we improve our sexual response cycle and what that means to our overall physiology. So, you know, how did you come into, into this specialty? 
You know, I started out as an RN at the age of 19, and I was a very typical sort of adrenaline junkie. I loved the intensive care unit. I loved thoracic, you know, ICU, life flight, all the emergency adrenaline high kind of stuff. And then when I was in just shortly into my 30s, I all of a sudden got sick, which is how a lot of my patients describe that too, which isn't accurate. It takes a long time to get an autoimmune disease. But I woke up overnight with just 10 extra pounds of puffiness all over my joints and uh, it was red and inflamed. And it was like someone had taken the batteries out of the Energizer bunny. And I was raising four small children, running marathons, skydiving before I started having kids, like really, you know, a high intensity sort of person. And so it was really strange to wake up with that complete exhaustion, just fatigue. So I went in to get seen. And during the course of the history taking process, my doctor asked me if I had a family history of autoimmunity. And I said, gosh, you know, I think my grandfather had rheumatoid arthritis. And I think he was in a wheelchair with that when he died. I never knew him because he died in his fifties, which is where I am right now. And she said, this is genetic, right? So here are a couple of prescriptions for you. <laughs> Methotrexate is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Take them. And when you get worse, come back, not if, right? And I just thought on my way home, what do you mean when, you know, first of all, and secondly, I know the side effect profile to these drugs. So, you know, how about I look elsewhere. And I was just so steeped in the Western medical model. I always tell people like I wouldn't have known an herb if it had bitten me. And so I started looking in PubMed for, you know, some research about what else I could do. And I found a compelling study on yoga and autoimmune disease and went to my first yoga class the next day. And in the course of that yoga class, the teacher said something about this term Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. It's the medical arm of it. And I went home. It was enough to interest me. And I looked it up online. And what I found was like, oh my gosh, you know, 10,000 years ago, here's this framework of medicine that was saying we're all different. We're not all the same. And we shouldn't be all eating the same thing, you know, and or sleeping the same or any of it. And also, by the way, autoimmune disease is undigested anger. And I just remember kind of sitting back going, so interesting, like even the thought of digesting your emotion. Mm -hmm. Undigested anger. Undigested anger. Yeah. I was like the consummate people pleaser and perfectionist. So I didn't let myself get angry, which is just, you know, of course, my body's taking it on and it's getting suppressed, right? And so, you know, I learned how to meditate as I was learning to go through yoga teacher training. And one day as I was meditating, I started asking this question like, oh, autoimmune means I'm attacking myself. When is the first time I wanted to die? Because I don't want to die today. You know, like this isn't what I want. And that was a really important question to ask, not how do I get out of my suffering as quickly as possible, but what was the message that started this? And so I started going backwards in my memory and I came upon this little girl version of myself who was 10 years old and being sexually abused by the vice principal of the elementary school that I was attending. And I remember just looking at her and that meditation and going, oh, you wanted to die. And my dad was in the Navy and out to sea. I tried to tell my mom you know, like this was happening, but I didn't even have the words. I didn't know the words. I don't even think I knew the word sex in those days or molestation or abuse or anything like that. And so I just said, I have a stomach ache and don't want to go to school. I'm afraid of going to school, you know? And so, you know, I thought this has to be connected like this. You know, when I saw her sitting there in my meditation practice, I went, Oh, 20 years later, it's like someone put a turkey timer in me. That's exactly what we know now. It can take anywhere from 10 to 20 years to develop a full-blown autoimmune disease. Wow. And, you know, here you are, ping, you're done. And so I went at it from that direction, like this must be connected and started into some really, really in-depth trauma healing. And my RA was gone in six months and I never took any of the medications. So it's very powerful, this 
this mind body, you know, we hear about it all the time, the mind body connection, and it feels a little trite even because it's said so often, but it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And you can't separate the two, right? You can't separate the mind from the body. And looking at that, so like that trauma, that trauma that occurred, you know, at 10 and then at 30, looking back and saying, oh my gosh, okay, so, so this was the starting point. This was the seeding. And then the, I want to know all about the recovery work and that aspect and how you done that and how you help others with this. Yeah. Which bravo, by the way, because you're sharing your story and that's so vulnerable. Yeah. That's so vulnerable. That's so brave. And I commend you for that. Oh, well, thank you. It's, you know, it's one of those things that once you get to a place of healing, it's just a piece of information rather than this gigantic trigger anymore. That's how you can kind of tell we've healed it. Right. So I, I don't tell people you get from point A to point B overnight. And definitely the methodology that I use to help people reverse their autoimmune diseases and heal their trauma is not a linear process. And there's no one size fits all. So I use something I call the freedom framework, where I think of each person, each one of us as a unique puzzle, like Ayurvedic medicine said 5,000 years ago, you know, that we're, we're all different. But the, when we, when we go to solve the puzzle, you know, we dump all the pieces out on the table, we look for the four corner pieces first to anchor in the sides, the edges. Right. And so that's the framework that I use and have developed where the four corner pieces of your puzzle are going to be your genetic. And we are all unique with our genetics. So we have to check in and and see like, what are, where are the places that we're primed and programmed to maybe have something go awry. Like I have RA in my genetics, my grandfather had it. Right. But that doesn't mean that it has to express itself. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of all this, right? So you solve the puzzle and then you have a different, you don't have to have that, which is what exactly happened to me. So, so there's this first one that's genetics. The second corner piece of the puzzle we could think of as gut health. And, you know, everybody with autoimmune disease has leaky gut. And then the subsequent parts of that, like food sensitivities, you know, we have to look at the microbiome, who's living in there. Most people have heard of this by this point, right? That we have a hundred trillion microbes living in there and they have to get along and we check in on them. So those are the first two corner pieces of the puzzle. The third one you could think of as toxic burden. We each have our own level of toxicity but also our own ability to get rid of that toxicity. So again, it comes back to genetics. Do we have a phase one, phase two liver detoxification mismatch genetically that makes it more difficult for us to deal with all the estrogen reproducing and mimicking, you know, tons of chemicals being dumped in our air, water, and soil, which, you know, your audience is going to be very familiar with from learning from you. But then we also have the toxic burden of, viruses, bacteria, as well as the pollutants, but then also the pollutants of our own mind, the toxic burden of, you know, the the belief systems that were created in the face of trauma. Everybody has trauma. And so that's the fourth corner piece of the puzzle is trauma and stress. And so you know, each one of those interrelates with the others, you know, your, your trauma upregulates your genetics, (laughs) your genetics make you more prone to maybe feeling your trauma in a certain way or different neurotransmitters going sideways, you know, so they all affect one another. And so there's not a linear, like first we do one corner piece of the puzzle and then the other one, we have to look at how they're all working together. And then the frame, you know, the edge pieces that we put in between those corners, I call the four C's. The first side is going to be uncovering your root causes that are found in your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your story. And then the top edge piece is to confront your lab data. And so then that's going to be data that your body's been trying to give you for years and years and years, right? Whether it's a coating on your tongue that shouldn't be there or sluggish bowel movements or skin, you know, that's inflamed your weight or the functional medicine lab data that we do and your blood work, right? All of, all of those, we want to, we really want to investigate and ask the right questions. It's how we communicate with this body. And then the, the third edge piece that goes in between your corners is to connect the dots between your lifestyle factors and that lab data. 
if you're able to really connect those dots and it doesn't make any sense anymore that your genetics show that you're gluten intolerant and yet you're still eating gluten. And now your lab data is showing that your high sensitivity C-reactive protein is 30, right? <laughs> so you have right, to learn right. to, to say, okay, like here's all the information and I want to support this amazing body that I have. And so here's, it's telling me how to do it, right? And then the fourth edge piece down at the bottom is to create the life that you want with intention now, instead of what I call the factory default settings of your childhood, you know, the meanings and beliefs you made up in the face of experiences maybe you didn't understand or, you know, didn't have a well-attuned, grounded, securely attached caregiver with you 24-7, which none of us did, Right. So our child mind, which, you know, the child's brain's not fully developed till it's 26 years old. And so that prefrontal cortex that makes really good decisions, executive function, right, is not on, it's not online yet until we're 26. So all of those meanings that we create to fit these experiences that we're having when we're children and not having someone to help us navigate them to a conclusion that makes sense, will make sense to our wise mind of our child self. But then those are the things that are subconsciously in place when we're adults. And some of those meanings we made up may not really be very life supportive. Right. Not for, for the us. long time. Those survival skills that we learned. Right. You know, we redefined those. And one of the things too, is part of that oxytocin connection early on in childhood, where you talked about that nurturing bonding early formative years and how important, important that is. And that's where we really settle and, you know, adapt our oxytocin function receptors and production. And so a couple of things from attachment studies and attachment theories, understanding, you know, especially that early time of attachment and healthy oxytocin kind of formation, right? Bonded, you know, you have this bonding, you have this trust, you have safety and how that, if you grow up in that compared, if, if we don't, you know, and I've been a working mom, my kids went into a caregiver at three weeks old for the first couple of them, you know, and that's a big difference than what I did for the last two. And so how does that affect their, you know, upbringing and, and their attachment as an adult and addictive behaviors? And what do you find around that in your work, Keisha? Yeah. Well, first of all, you illustrated it beautifully. And secondly, it can be healed. And so when, you know, I was born to a mother who <laughs> so sad, she, she was really close to her father and he had a heart attack like a couple of days before I was born and died laughing in a movie theater with my grandmother died laughing. And he was young, you know, he was in his fifties. And my mom was pregnant with me, living in a different state, going to college. And they tried to get back in the middle of my, I was born in February. So in the middle of a blizzard to go to his funeral. And she was so distraught at losing her father so suddenly, and they couldn't get back and had to turn back around and it put her into labor, all the stress of it. And my mother is 411, <laughs> just a tiny little thing. And I... I think I was holding on to her bottom ribs and saying, I'm not coming out till someone wants me. I came out breach, you know, she was in labor for 48 hours and, you know, she had a nervous breakdown when I was mm. born and wound up being hospitalized for 10 days with just all the grief and everything. So I never bonded with my mother. I bonded with the nurses in the nursery who passed me around. Apparently I was never put down, but I, I didn't, I didn't bond with my mom. And so that I, I grew up insecurely attached and then had trauma, you know, on top of that trauma. And so it's no wonder like autoimmune disease, right? The thing of it is though, is now I am securely attached because you can go back and heal that. And so I want people like, that's the message I want everyone to really hear and know, like, we all have had trauma. Mm -hmm. Some of it is capital T trauma, which is what I've described with sexual abuse. The lowercase T trauma is the stuff that we all go through all the way through childhood where I've done therapy with so many different people that were traumatized by events that you would never call trauma. A woman who was third in a line of sisters who came to see me with Hashimoto's disease and 
when I started investigating, you know, that fourth corner of the puzzle with the trauma, she said she didn't have any. And when we started doing therapy work, because as I started digging, I, I found some beliefs that she had. And I said, let's just go investigate this. Mm-hmm. Right. And she was so traumatized about never having had her parents buy her something new that every time a holiday came around, she got hand-me-down clothes and, you know, two older sisters. And she just like the meaning she made up about that was that I'm not deserving and worthy of something new. And so she had an incredibly destructive spending problem as an adult. Fascinating. Because so fascinating. She was in debt. She was in stress financially. And the person that she married, of course, was, I guess you could say, like she called him a cheapskate. And, you know, so she would sneak, you know, buying things and they were in serious trouble in their marriage. And her TPO was, you know, 562, you know, for the auto going against her, right? And she wasn't speaking up her, her real truth. She was applying her value to if someone would buy her something, Mm -hmm. if money could be spent on her, then she was valuable. So when we did this work, she was able to break that and then start to be able to talk about finances in a healthy way, get on a budget, get this paid, you know, and it's, it saved their marriage. And lo and behold, within about a year, her TPO was five. That's amazing. You know? I mean, it's just it had nothing to do with her iodine intake or anything. Else. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> so it's so, it's so, so powerful. And we've been following Isabella Wentz's program. You know, she was already in the functional medicine paradigm, mm-hmm. but this trauma, which would never have been called a trauma was running and ruining her life and making her physical self sick. And so this is the kind of stuff that, you know, we don't really call trauma, but then you have to go to like, oh, where are the patterns in my life that are not life supportive, that are life destructive? And then we start working on, you know, what, where's the root of that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's so powerful. When, you know, where these energies are stored, these old beliefs, because they will manifest. It's there. It's a yep. stagnancy. And so energy healers and studying kinesiology and can actually look back and test where does this trigger come from? And it's so fascinating to me how, how this is. I want to go like in this sexual trauma, experiencing sexual trauma and healing from that to be able to attach again. You said that. And so like the ability to attach again, and this is what I did in my work that it with my whole like the keto green way, managing cortisol and insulin and the cortisol oxytocin disconnect that I talk about, write about that I wouldn't have known about if I hadn't lived it, right? And so here's this very acidifying hormone cortisol and with PTSD or chronic everyday stress, our paraventricular nucleus of the brain is going to work to shut that down. But when cortisol is up, oxytocin's down. And when the PVN is shutting down cortisol production, it's shutting down oxytocin too. So you get this dead end, like this disconnect, this feeling of not able to attach. You're not able to attach. And that might lead you into like your client, that addictive behavior, oxytocin hits with shopping, spending money, that kind of hit or sex and recurrent sex, you know, like sexual account after sexual encounter. And so like that oxytocin type hit and dopamine seeking behavior, they run hand in hand, that play, that high, high thrill, like I've skydived, I've night dove, I've, you know, like that thrill seeking behavior for that hit, right? That's that hit. And how that works on on our immune system. For me, it was fertility taking me into infertility, the chronic stress and that disconnect on my hormones, but also the disconnect in my marriage led to divorce. And so, so understanding that physiology and healing from that has been, you know, the most, the most powerful and profound thing that I've done. And I'm sure I have, like, I'm a work in progress, so, like, you know, take me on the journey in healing from sexual trauma. Yeah. Again, it's not going to be when I teach this, I always say I'm the mother of functional sexology, um, like mother Fokker. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I love it. And, and when I teach this to functional medicine doctors from stage, I have a little triage tree that I use. And I say in my doctoral work, I did a study called the healing unresolved trauma study. And it was based on low libido in women and history of sexual trauma. And what do we do about this? And what I came up with was a map that showed how we're connected. I call it the libido map, how all of this is connected based on these early experiences, right? Like childhood sexual abuse, you could call that the experience we're going to talk about. So I'll just use myself. So you have this first experience that occurs. And then in the hurt model, that leads to the place where you have the feeling as a result of it. So I get, you know, the intercom goes off in the corner of my classroom and it doesn't matter if it's the secretary saying everyone stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance or giving announcements like it's Pavlovian. I'm going to go straight into a freeze, you know, not fight or flight because children are not autonomous, powerful beings. So they go into freeze, right? And sitting there and I call it panicked rabbit, you know, where I'd start sweating and my heart would go and I'd just freeze. So that frozen nervous system right there freezes the panic in, okay, the anxiety, the fear. And from that space, you now have what you could think of as like a button that's been wired that anyone can come along and push. And what that button consists of is the next part of it, which is the meaning you make up that goes with this event. And this is why a lot of people will do energy work and they don't get completely healed because this hasn't been tracked yet. I call this tracking your hurt. And so first you have to get to that place and say, what was the meaning I made up right there? And then the belief that was created as a result of that meaning, and then the behavior that emerged as an adaptive response for the child. So to track it for me, I got that panicked feeling in my heart center and in my gut and froze. Right. And the meaning that I made up is that adults in authority that say they're there to protect you. Uh, no, right. Can't trust adults in authority. I had a hard time at TSA for a long time till I healed this, <laughs> you know, getting pulled over by the police was a whole new level of trauma for me. So you have that meaning, right. And then the belief was if I'm going to survive life, like what's happening right now, the vice principal is telling me it was because I was a bad kid and that this was happening. And so that meant that the adaptive behavior that went with my belief that I might not survive was to be a perfectionist. I have to be absolutely perfect if I'm going to survive. Now I was pretty perfect at being perfect, like driving myself until I was diagnosed with RA 20 years later. And so the steps that you take are really around, you know, a lot of times people will say when we're working with sexual trauma, we have to work with like intimacy with a safe and significant other. Absolutely. All of those things. when we're talking about unpacking what to do in a relationship with a history of sexual trauma. That's a different conversation, but to start just to start so that you are not getting swamped with the tidal wave of emotions that happen or the frozenness in your nervous system, which from there game over, right? You mm-hmm. can't like hug until relaxed with a significant other. If you're in panicked rabbit state and frozen in your nervous system, like it's not going to work. So you have to track this hurt first. That's the first thing. And then work on healing that wounding, Right. And so I start with getting a calm and safe place established in each person's nervous system. Like we start there because if as long as you don't feel safe, nothing else will work. You know, like you can work on cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, somatic therapy. You can do, you know, name it. The only thing that will really, if you don't first get the safety piece, you know, solved and healed, the only thing that will get all of that to go to sleep is plant medicine. You know, like you can go in and use plant medicine and it'll shut all that other stuff down, but then you still have to come out of that journey and work and function, right? So people will then start going, well, okay, I'm going to do ketamine, <laughs> you know, trauma healing. And, but then it, if you're not given the ways to integrate, then you just keep going to these journeys and you're still not healing your safety and survival issues. So you have to get to that place where safety is established in your system. 
so that you build a bridge that goes from that limbic system into the prefrontal cortex and the adult and the child can communicate with each other and that you become a safe adult for your small adult and that's for your small child self. That's really like where I begin is you becoming the parent that you wish you had had Mm. right for yourself. And sometimes, especially with women, Anna, this pisses them off <laughs> because they keep seeking someone outside of them to fill in for that. Right? Good point. And then they get into these codependent relationships with narcissists, right? And it doesn't work. Like you have to become the parent that you wish you had had in that moment for you. And you heal that attachment internally. So nothing else out here is needed for you to be okay. Mm. you will attract that safe, also grounded, securely attached person to you. That is powerful. Do you see an improvement in seizures too? Like, yeah, for me, like the whole neuro pathway seems like, because that's how seizures are. Like I think about this when I talk about PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And you learn how to self-suit. You don't have to use an electronic device you don't have to take anything. You learn how to do this inside of you. And it's just like, there's power, right? You're empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then sometimes plant medicines can help for recognizing right. what that was, right? Bring to that awareness, that energy, right. that's trapped, that push button that you didn't realize you had from all this time ago. Right. And I run plant medicine circles, so I'm not I mean, I'm an MD and yeah. assisted psychotherapist. Like I, I think there's so use. I think there's a lot of utility in that. Yeah. It's so powerful. But I do hate it when people are like doing ayahuasca journey after ayahuasca journey and they're not coming out with an integration process, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 I know. I agree. I think we should do something like that together to, you know, to incorporate all of this. One of the things is that when also the perimenopause menopause, I always say like at this time, those adverse childhood experience and PTSD, I mean, this is where there's this, you know, we've had this pressure cooker from unresolved trauma, chronic everyday stress, that rewired nervous system. We've had this pressure cooker and progesterone's the lid on that pressure cooker. And now you get this decline age 35 to 55 sharply. And if we haven't done that work, that lid is blowing off and we can have a nervous breakdown. We can have psychosis. We can have depression. I mean, the most common medication for a woman over 40 is an antidepressant. Right. So, or anti-anxiety medication, but that feels not libido away, which is just, which is a double whammy because that's going to inhibit our oxytocin hits, right? The way we can get our oxytocin. So I want you to talk about that transition piece too. And also their spiritual journeys increase oxytocin. But the good news is we have that, can give ourselves oxytocin hits on a daily basis through the practices that we incorporate, the gratitude practices, the love and affection, creating that. I know what it feels like to want to die every day. I know what that feels like. So it's a constant practice and a discipline for me that I can't get away from because I know what happens. Right. So, you know, what I described earlier with the nervous system being formed into a pattern of freezing, that actually sends, you know, when you go into that sympathetic nervous system arousal, when I called the panicked rabbit out, that's cortisol being released into a system of a person not moving, right? Sitting in a school desk and not taking that cortisol and running away from the perceived danger or threat. So it's all sitting in there. So over time, you know, when this starts at a very young age in response to adverse childhood experiences, which are our capital T traumas, then, then we wind up being patterned to have very quick reactivity from our perceptions. So your perceptions are what set the whole thing off. Nothing else, not your trauma, not it's your perception of what's happening in your life and in your own felt sense of worth or safety or, you know, any of those issues that I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough, whatever it is. And so that sets that up so that you're constantly tapping your adrenals for perceived threats that are really not a lion chasing you. So by the time you reach perimenopause, you're kind of out, right? Your adrenals are just 
nothing left to give. They've been robbing Peter to pay Paul for so many years, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the pregnant alone that's necessary to make your progesterone is actually hijacked to make cortisol so that you can survive because the body knows survival is more important than reproduction. And so that progesterone is a reproductive hormone that's keeping the lid on, right? And so then you're out, (laughs) you know, your estrogen dominant is are going through this period of time, which is going to make your emotions a roller coaster, makes you more at risk for cancers and autoimmune disease and weight gain and cognitive decline and insomnia and all of it, right? Creepy old skin, all of it. And vaginal dryness. So what we want to get from all of that is, okay, this has to be retrained. And so often you'll hear providers say you want to rewire your brain, right? You have this beautiful neuroplasticity. I actually think of it quite differently that you really want to change the way you perceive Mm. because it really has nothing to do with, you know, rewiring your brain. What you're doing is you're learning how to perceive yourself in your environment and life differently because that's what sets up the whole thing, right? That's where we have the super highway in the brain. That's like, okay, it's going from that limbic system. Now, the other thing, it's interesting. I want to emphasize that because thinking biblically, it says renewal of your mind. Yes. It's the renewal of your mind, not the rewiring, redirecting, changing. It is, is the renewal. It's just like, again, you know, I think that's it coming into the present and that awareness of your reality. What do you know to be true right now? And you do have to process the past for sure. And and that's where the digesting it becomes important. Like you put an apple in your mouth, you know, and you're going to digest it. You're going to take from that apple what you need, and then you're going to get rid of what you don't need in the toilet. You have to do that emotionally too, with your life and experiences. You take from it what you need you know, the nutrition of that experience is going to be kind of like the pressure of the earth that makes a gem, you know, you're mining in these old experiences for the wisdom, the gem, the pearl of wisdom. And then you're getting rid of what doesn't serve you. You know, you're not holding on to the story like Gollum and the ring and the Lord of the Rings, you know, and calling it your precious and having some sort of dysfunctional power from a state of victimhood, which is very powerful place to be. I, if I were to go around and tell my story and say, I am the way I am because this happened, people would go, Oh yeah, like that sucks, you know? And I would be completely justified for whatever it is that I wanted to do next, you know? And that doesn't make any sense. Like I, I, there's no wisdom in that. Right. And so menopause is that place where we get this really beautiful opportunity to just pause and really take a look at the inventory of our life experiences and really digest them and do it slowly and methodically and with assistance and in groups of others and, you know, like all of the ways that work and let go of the parts that don't serve you anymore. You know, you don't want to hold on to your crap, right? It makes you sit quite literally. So that's kind of how I think about it is, you know, really learning how to digest these early experiences. And, you know, like in my hurt study, in my doctoral work, I used forgiveness as an intervention for low libido. Mm. And guess mm-hmm. what? It works. It works. It's not the first thing we go to, right? That's another problem is, you know, sometimes biblically, it'll be like, turn your cheek or if you're insulted seven times seven, right? And it's, You can use your adult brain to do that. And you can say, I forgive this person, but your child may be back there screaming, hell no. And that one will not be left behind, right? And so you have to make sure that she's there with you and that you're doing it together, that she's getting what she needs first, that digestion process, right? You might have to reclaim some power. You may have to learn a new skill. You may need to learn how to set boundaries. You may, you know, like all of these things are part of that. And then you move to the forgiveness process. And that's the final one, not the first one. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. I think that adding that in as a therapeutic modality 
is powerful. And it's like one step of the process and then creating the safe space in order to do that from, for me, like the physiology, right? It's that physiology. I call it the keto green or keto alkaline physiology. That's powerful. That gave me the strength to do the healing work that I've done. But the healing work is part of that you know, the results from that healing work and the processes to increase oxytocin is part of that ability to maintain a healing, healthy physiology. Right. So they, they work together. Again, you can't separate the mind from the body. And I want to say you were talking about letting us pause. Of course, there's magic in the pauses of our life. Yeah. So always, always like to say that. And that now post-menopause trauma work, right? It's never too late. Yeah. And and oftentimes in working with clients, I find that they've had you know, trauma 50 years ago or that they've held on to. And again, sometimes it doesn't come to our reality till that right. lid of the pressure cooker comes off. It's not a line, right? It's not a line. Yeah. It's not one thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got all these beautiful windows right here and I can look out at the forest. And if, if you look outside at Mother Nature, there's not one straight line. You know, all the straight lines you see in our environment, yeah, you know, for both of us are man-made. Mm -hmm. There are attempts to make order out of chaos and straighten everything out, but that's not actually how it works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you have to think about it as like a spiral or a fractal, you know, like that's the pattern. And so sometimes people will say, oh, I've worked on this for years. And yet here you are with lupus in front of me. And so, you know, it's like, okay, good. You know, where you've gotten is where you've gotten. And now there's this new part arising that's asking for attention and intelligence and digestion, right? Yeah. And how does your work in, in sexual health come into play in healing? In this healing arena? Yeah, it just depends on what it is that like vaginismus or dysperiunion, you know, all of these like painful intercourse episodes for women, you know, this is the most vulnerable place that we have is to open up that gate and allow another being in. So if you don't feel safe, that's not going to happen. And the wisdom of the body is going to be to tighten down, right? And say, no, I don't want to open and so what's important is that like when we're healing sexually is that we look at motivation. I love Rosemary Besson's circular um, oh, desire. Secondary model. desire. Yes. Yeah, that we, we can be aroused first and have desire second mm -hmm. and that we need to actually look at our motivation. Are we trying to make someone else happy? You know, I always say taking your vagina to the gym is important to do regularly you can't just go like this and expect to have a really nice bicep. You have to put a weight in there in that hand, and then you'll get some definition. Well, your vagina is the same. Like you can't just sit and do kegels. You have to have some resistance there. And so whatever that looks like, it can be Jade Benoit balls. It can be a penis. It can be a toy or a kegel master with springs in it that provide that resistance but really making sure that that stays functional and in tune and in getting a workout. Now, if there's a barrier to being able to open that up and insert something in there, then we have to work with what's the barrier. I always call it finding and fixing, you know, the block to your flow. So if that energetic flow is just like, mm -mm, then we want to know why. Right. And we mm -hmm. want to investigate and ask. And we want to ask all the parts of you, all the ages and stages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. just trying to figure it out from the adult brain. Well, and I think there's a couple of things that I've learned over over the years too that I wanted to ask you about. And, you know, one of the things with, you know, history of sexual trauma, having that barrier that taken from you can lead to multiple sexual encounters without attachment, right? Mm -hmm. Multiple sexual encounters. And I say it sometimes that was that invisible barrier that was removed. You know, you're not a broken individual. I mean, there was an invisible barrier there that was removed from your ability to say no or hold that line because it was taken from you the first time or Well, this before. is interesting, Anna, because I do a lot of sexual healing for people. And it's there are several outcomes to that. And that's on that hurt model. Again, what was the meaning and belief that was put in place and the behavior mm -hmm. that was used as adaptive. So for some people, like I 
didn't respond that way. I responded by going very carefully to get to know and really understand a person before I would go to bed with them. Like I really wanted to understand who they are. You know, I dove into the Enneagram and human design and, you know, just like Mm -hmm. I really study people. Now, another person may use sex as a currency. That was an adaptive behavior for them. Another person may have zero desire in libido or Mm -hmm. may go for a different sexual identification because that one's not safe. This is really the thing that I come to again and again and again with people is there's never going to be one pattern Mm -hmm. of how people respond from a childhood event, whether it's closing off completely and... mm -hmm. Yeah. So you may be hyper expressive or you may be hypo expressive, or you may decide like the body is not something I want to live in anymore. And you become hyper intelligent. And so it's all about the brain and the mind. You may become over a caregiver and you just drop into your heart and say, okay, so if I just care for people enough, they'll maybe take care of me too. And so then that I see a lot of over caregiving in people with autoimmunity. Um, people pleasing, right? You might become a rebel with no cause, you know, where everything you're fighting against everything. And so you're constantly having makeup sex, right? So sexual expression is going to match the flavor of whatever your belief and behavior system that you, you set up in childhood, very different events. This is so powerful. So how can people work with you and find out more about your amazing work and the books you write and yeah, uh, drkeisha.com, D-R-K-E-E-S-H-A.com. Solving the autoimmune puzzle goes through that freedom framework so that you can understand the methodology I use. And that's your book. That's on Amazon and everywhere, right? And also yeah, on your website. Yeah, and then there are a couple after that. And then there's Summit that is coming out in April that's uh, Healing with Vibrations, uh, Vibrational Healing, which really, you know, we, we hit it from EMFs to trauma right? And how that informs the vibration of your tissue, your cells, the environment that you live in. It's, it's everything, right? So we are energy. We, we are, are energy. energy. Yeah. And is that at healingvibrationsummit.com? We'll, we'll post the link under this. How's that? Okay. We'll, we'll find you from drkeisha.com and on social media, Keisha, where are you? Yeah. Dr. Keisha. Dr. Keisha on social media. I could talk to you forever, but part of the favorite part of my girlfriend doctor show is to ask you my rapid fire questions as we close. So the pillars for the girlfriend doctor are nourish, shine, awaken, and embrace. Those are our four pillars. So nourish, what's your favorite food? Mm, I love my juice every day. I do freshly juiced vegetables every single day. Mm, okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. I would like, you know, ice cream and chocolate, but okay. Nice. No, I love it. Love it. And then what is your favorite beauty product? Mm, I love my, I make a salt scrub uh, that I use in the shower and gets all that crusty, like, you know, flaky skin and on the bottoms of my feet. Cause I go barefoot a lot. I get you know, hard elephant feet. So it keeps all that nice and smooth and baby feet. (laughs) Love that. Okay. Salt scrub. And what are you reading right now? I'm reading biocentric design. Biocentric design. Okay. Who's the author? What's Robert Lanza, L-A-N-Z-A. Very cool. Okay. I have to look that one up. I'm not familiar with this work. So what is your favorite sexual position? Here's on the embrace standpoint. Oh, I love hands and knees. So good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is so fun. So, I mean, this is all about, you know, really, uh, thank you for answering. You know, it's a a fun conversation to have. I was curious what answer I'll get. So funny. They're they're all different, right? All different. Yeah. All different. All different. 20 years ago, I would have said chocolate. Uh, Now it just doesn't agree with me. So <laughs> all different answers. That's so good. You're so funny. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Keisha. Uh, and I look you. forward to sharing your work and continuing our beautiful friendship and relationship and, you know, keeping you as a frequent, I hope to see us doing more things together and a frequent guest on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Thank you for being here. And again, thank you for all your work. Thank you. Bye, everybody.
That is such a powerful discussion with Dr. Keisha Ewers. You guys, please look at her, follow her on social at drkeisha.com and check out her website. You will just, I know her work is transformative and that's what we're here, especially in menopause and beyond, but at any point in our life, we want that healthy transformation. We want freedom, freedom from suppressed beliefs from old habits that no longer serve us, old thoughts and actions that no longer serve us. So we can pause the things, you know, let go of the things that no longer serve us. And that's important. I write about that in my new book, Menu Pause. There's a whole chapter of letting go of the things that no longer serve you. And and here we go, right? It's a process. We can't do everything at one time, but it's a process. And knowing what we need and having that safe space to ask for what we need and to give ourselves what we need is critically, I mean, it's, it's important at every stage of our life. And the sooner we create it for ourselves, the more optimal our healing and our glowing and our energy and our high energy vibrations can be. The benefit is everyone else around you benefits too. Everyone else around you benefits when you are at your healthiest that's it. Everyone benefits. Everyone benefits. So do it for yourself. Do it for those you love. And there's work that always has to be done. Trauma, trauma work that has to be done from childhood. Maybe, maybe possibly past lives could be part of it. Who knows, right? But I'm curious. Let's bring curiosity into the second spring of our lives and really dig in and, and get curious. What's motivating us and giving us additional life force and, and what's taking away? And what do we have control of? And what's our next right step? I like that we really talk about the mind and body cannot be separated. And that is so true. And I encourage you that again, every podcast, every show I do, it's always about taking your one next right step from this conversation. What's your one next right step that you can write down right now that you will do as a result of what you've learned here to grow, to improve, to love better, and be your sexiest, most passionate self. Share it with me, please. Comment below if you have this at dranna.com forward slash show. I love to hear your comments. And also on Instagram at the girlfriend doctor. I'm there a lot more lately since that's where I keep an eye on my kids and my new grandbaby to see pictures and first moments. So I'm there quite a bit. So at the girlfriend doctor on Instagram, also on TikTok now. And I appreciate you sharing this episode to someone who hears it. And if you've got my book or haven't yet, Menu Pause, available on Amazon, anywhere books are sold, please give me your review and let me know. I want to hear a favorite, a favorite recipe maybe or a favorite thing you've learned from menopause around the world in Menu Pause. You guys, thank you for being here and being in my community. I am forever grateful. And quick shout out with Mother's Day around the corner to share Menu Pause with someone you want to make smile. It certainly will make them smile just with the name alone, but the recipes and the guidance is priceless. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.